Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going to be going over UFC Vegas. Actually, I'm always slipping up on that it's actually ufc 263 it's a pay-per-view this time around and we got israel adesanya going up against marvin vittori as well as uh davison figueredo going up against brandon moreno both of those fights being rematches that's actually two rematches that we have on this card out of the three total eric anderson darren stewart are going to be running back running it back on the prelims as well and we also got another five round main event this is the first time it's ever happened in the ufc a non-title non-main event five rounder we got between nick diaz and leon edwards here should be a lot of fun a lot of name value on nate diaz but a ton of um hype behind uh leon edwards at least on the betting line he's currently sitting around that minus 600 range and it's completely understandable as soon as you start to dig into the fight and understand why uh, I'm excited for this card. There's a lot of good fights, right? Bilal Muhammad against Damian Maya, I think, is a great fight. Um, Hakeem Duwadu against Mozart Evilov is an amazing fight. Uh, not to mention Drew Dober against Brad Rudell. A ton of fun fights. Some fire fights mixed in there as well. As well as a bunch of grudge matches as well. Most notably uh, with uh, Jamal Hill and Paul Craig. So I'm very excited to see how that fight ends up playing out. But uh, I, I'm very, like I said, very, very much excited for this pay-per-view. Uh, we have about three more, uh, two more events after this weekend where we have consecutive events of fights then we got one weekend off and then we're back july 10th with that big ufc 264 card headlined by conor mcgregor and dustin poirier so a ton to be looking forward to as an mma fan but most importantly this weekend's ufc 263 card which should give us i think at least one new champion and you guys are gonna have to wait to hear exactly who i'm picking to win this weekend if you guys want to you know maybe make some cash on a possible underdog here as both challenges are coming in as underdogs all right first and foremost before we get into anything we always go over the the betting recap of our last event and we have secured our third straight winning event that's 14 out of 16 winning events uh over the last several months so it's been going very well especially after we've been uh, implementing that old school lock of the night system call me a square call me a fish we're catching tickets and my bank account looks healthy so i can't be mad at that uh, um, this is the approach that's worked out for me at the beginning of my uh, betting career. I got sidetracked a little bit and I've gotten back to it. And now we are pretty much on the upswing year. So I'm very much looking forward to continuing this and having a very successful year. So without further ado, five units on Montana De La Rosa as my lock the night play at minus 250. And that pretty much outplayed out as I expected it to. There was a little bit of a concern in the striking realm as there I expected it to be. But uh, Montana's wrestling does come through for us. The takedown defense of Ariane Lipsky is still atrocious. And we saw especially, you know, her, her game off of her back just as atrocious. So shout out to Montana De La Rosa for getting it done relatively easily. Beautiful TKO victory in that second round, I believe it was. And I, if I'm not mistaken, her TKO KO prop was roughly around plus 800 plus 1000 so shout out to montana for actually getting that win especially in the vicious fashion that she was able to and then our dog of the night play whiffs we had one unit on francisco trinaldo at plus 200 that does not uh, go well trinaldo just a step too slow for muslim salikov and uh you know trinaldo definitely fought for our money he was definitely in that fight a lot more than people expected him to be but we still come out with a loss in that dog of the night play which really rubs me the wrong way for two reasons well one reason specifically is the two other dogs that I was very much contemplating to be playing as my dog of the night compared to uh, francisco trinaldo they ended up hitting 
Claudio Poyas goes out there and has a clean performance against Jordan Levitt, as well as Kamuela Kirk pulls off the upset over Amir Khani, especially with him coming in on short notice. So shout out to anybody that held me on those plays as strictly predictions. I'm glad those came through, but uh, the, the Trinado one hurt a little bit. So all in all, we end up plus one unit there uh, on that event. Again, secured three straight winning events. I believe in the last three events, we're up about a nine units. I could be off on that, but I believe it's eight or nine units. We won five units alone on the second last event. So uh, things are going really well, and I'm hoping to parlay that into another winning event this weekend at UFC 263. Now, most of you guys, if you guys have been following me for a while, you know what my procedure is with this. Whenever I am on a three-event winning streak or longer, my picks are strictly behind the Patreon wall. So make sure you guys check out my Patreon. The link is in the description below. Five bucks a month, you guys get a great Discord community, which is popping right now. Everybody enjoying their time in there. Community picks, not just UFC. We got tennis. We got baseball. We got soccer. We got all this shit that we like to share with each other and not just cash on UFC, but other sports as well. So a great Discord community, especially behind that Patreon wall. Obviously, you guys get all my picks. You guys get to support the channel. Um uh yeah a, a ton of uh, work on there not to mention the best bets and props article which goes through every single fight on the card and gives you the best bet and prop with each one not to mention my confidence rating on every single bet just to give you guys an idea of where i'm at with every single fight so make sure you guys check out the patreon secondly make sure you guys check out CoolBet, coolbet.com if you guys use promo code mma lotn2 uh they'll give you a, a match bonus up to 200 bucks and uh yeah add another betting website to your to your catalog as i do think that the more betting websites that you have the better opportunity that you have in terms of getting the best betting lines on the spots that you like for your upcoming sports whether it's ufc baseball basketball whatever it may be uh it's always good to have a, a couple more websites so once again cool bet one of the really good websites uh one of the few websites that actually lets you parlay props i know a lot of people are looking for spots that do that especially if they like to hit a little couple lottery tickets or some anything like that cool bet allows you to do that so make sure you guys go check out cool bet once again coolbet.com promo code mma lotn2 that's the number two and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks so go check that out and that's pretty much it. Don't want to blabber on too much longer. Let's get into the breakdowns. Hopefully, we can, uh, or sorry, hopefully we can translate some of those uh, those uh, predictions and some of those picks into some cash for you guys this weekend. So enjoy the breakdowns, and I'll see you guys on the flip side. Carlos Philippe versus Jake Collier. We got minus 170 on Carlos Philippe and plus 150 on Jake Collier. Not to mention, Jake Collier was a plus 245 dog when the line did open up, and now we've seen a gradual amount of money come in on Collier to bring him down to plus 150. Now, most people will obviously remember me for being one of the few guys that was on Jake Collier against Gian Vellante, and I thought that was a no-brainer of a spot. But everybody was just writing off Jake Collier because he got knocked out by Tom Aspinall a couple months before and uh, completely written him off. You know, you, you can't do that to guys. You can't just write them off if they get dusted in one round. And and if you truly do see something that they bring to the table that could cause their opponent issues, especially as I saw in the Gian Vellante fight, you know, you, you're going to get a good uh, good set of odds on them just as we got on Collier last time around. And I still do think that uh, Collier is dealing with uh, you know, or at least people are are um, putting a little bit too much stock into that Aspinall fight for Collier, which is why he opened up as such a big underdog into this in this fight, uh, and which is why I still do think that people have that confidence in uh, Carlos Felipe. Now, Carlos Felipe, you know, had a little bit of a, a rough UFC, not a rough, a, a decent UFC run as of late. I believe he's two and one, losing his debut to Sergey Spivak, uh, beating Justin Taffa, and then, in my opinion, I thought he lost the, or sorry, beating your 
Jorgen DeCastro. And then I believe that uh, he got lucky in that Justin Toffa fight, as I believe that Toffa won at least rounds one and three. Uh, but the judges didn't see it in that way. Carlos Felipe ends up getting his hand raised. Uh, but I do think he showed a lot of holes in that game. Now, his his striking style or his fighting style is pretty much predicated on him being you know the the jock the the bad boy you know trying to take your head off and you know doesn't really go for takedowns or try to implement a jiu-jitsu game much it's more so to showcase who has the bigger balls and that's what carlos philippe tries to do out there now that might hinder his volume per se because he goes out there and just you know throws a, a power one two every now and then throws a leg kick every now and then but it's not really predicated on a much of a game plan it just seems more so that he's going out there and trying to knock you out and if he doesn't knock you out he hopes that he's done enough in that round to win it uh you know whether it's hurting you or having a having a moment where it looks like you're uh, you're on wobbly legs and uh, he takes advantage of that like he did in the second round against justin taffa which is why i believe he won that round but otherwise he kind of just you know again just waits for his opportunities to explode and if they're not successful he, he starts to fall behind which is exactly what i think is going to happen here with jay collier now i think that carlos philippe falls between the gian Vellante and the tom aspinall fight so this is where we'll see how much collier truly has to bring to the table especially with this new physique that he's been showing us in his last two fights there's no point you know or i should say he's very private with his personal life you don't see him posting on ig or anything like that and it's very tough to see what we're getting from him when he steps onto the scales but does it really matter at this point like we know he's going to come in at a pretty heavy weight he's probably going to hit that heavyweight limit but we saw good enough things from his last fight against john volante which leads me to believe that he still can go out there and showcase a full overall mma game now he's just not a headhunter right he throws leg kicks he throws body kicks throws body punches uh seeks the head every now and then but i love the uh his variety of striking just because it kind of like you know uh confuses his opponent in a sense and i feel like he could do that here against carlos philippe i think his durability is still good enough that he should be able to eat a clean shot from philippe as i do think that aspinall has a speed and uh power advantage over carlos philippe which is why aspinall was able to get the knockout and which is why i don't think that philippe will get the knockout here Again, Philippe almost telegraphs his big shot, so I think that Collier should do a good enough job in terms of rolling with the strikes, or at least getting away with the strikes, and then countering with a combination of his own, which should allow him to you know, start to accumulate the output, start to accumulate the volume, and which should ultimately get his hand raised via decision in this spot. I think Collier still has some to something to give to this heavyweight division you know not to the point that he's going to crack the top 10 or anything like that but i do think that he beats guys that are kind of lackadaisical in their approach like a carlos philippe so i will continue to go out there and back collier at plus money if you're going to continue to give me the plus money especially when i do think that he has all the tools to go out there and, and showcase a solid game plan i wouldn't be surprised to see jay collier go out there and pull out a takedown or two to try to be a little bit more assertive in this fight and try to nullify whatever power and volume that's going to be coming back from the carlos philippe side of things i don't think that philippe's takedown defense is the greatest i think that collier will be able to kind of strike his way into clinch situations and try to drag this fight to the ground or even clinch him up against the cage and try to uh, grab some control time there I just don't think that Philippe is super assertive. I don't think that he truly is, uh, you know, goes out there and truly tries to establish his dominance as, again, like I said, he, he just goes out there and throws uh, a one-two with a ton of power. And if it misses by an inch or if it misses by a mile, he continues to do the same thing over and over again. Uh, decent volume, but I don't think that it's going to be able to get to Jake Collier's volume. Uh, so I will be going with Collier here. Uh, and I think that we'll see an overall MMA performance from him. Uh, whether it's clinching takedowns or even just volume on the feet you know legs body head 
mixes it up a lot and i think that's gonna throw carlos Felipe in for a loop i'd be surprised if he finishes Felipe. i don't think he'll finish Felipe, but i do like hollier and i'll take him to win this fight via decision Ferris ZM versus Luigi Vendramini in this fight is pretty much out of pick him with Ferris ZM as a slight uh, favorite at most spots, most at uh, about roughly minus 120, minus 130. Now, this is a tough fight to call, and I think definitely the toughest fight to call on the entire card, which is why I won't have too much action on here. And both these guys are still question marks in my mind, especially Luigi Vendramini, who had an extended layoff after he went out there and got finished by Zaleski Dos Santos in his UFC debut. He had a long layoff after that, comes back and then quickly disposes of Justin Ayari in his comeback fight and still leaves some question marks. I think Vendramini has a really good ground game and jiu-jitsu game, which could definitely come in handy here against a Faraz ZM, who I do think is still a little bit green in his overall MMA game. I do think that ZM will have the... The, the stick and move advantage here in terms of being able to strike from distance and keep moving on his bicycle to kind of, you know, throw Luigi Vendramini for a loop at times. And uh, that's the side that I'm going to be leaning on here. I do think that ZM goes out there and, uh, you know, out outstrikes Luigi Vendramini while uh, downplaying the amount of damage that he's going to be taking in the return. Vendramini could absolutely go out there, you know, club and sub him or land the takedown here and, and get the submission. I think that's absolutely a viable outcome in this spot. Uh, not to mention, I do believe that ZM is still kind of growing into his body and I do think that he still needs to get a little bit stronger to be able to deal with the strength that he's going to be going up against here when the UFC and Luigi Vendramini, you just need to look at the guy one time and you can definitely tell that he's probably going to be the stronger fighter in this fight. But I do expect uh, ZM to kind of nullify the, the, the clinch game and the takedowns of Vendramini by keeping this fight at distance, kicking from the outside, starting to debilitate Luigi Vendramini and his movement, and then starting to let his hands go as the fight starts to wear on. Again, very little confidence in this fight for me, but I do lean on the Frenchman's side here as I do think that his striking advantage here will definitely shine rather than the grapple-heavy approach of Luigi Vendramini. The one spot I will point out that everybody's pretty much been hammering me throughout the week is Vendramini by submission around plus 550. I think that is worth a little bit of a shot as I think that's his best path to victory to win this fight. But the spot that I'm looking at the most is ZM to win by decision at plus 215 as I do believe that's the most likely outcome in this fight. Uh, again, tough fight to call. I will lean with ZM here. I do think he has the advantages to stick and move and stay on the outside, while Luigi Vendramini will be swinging at air, struggling to get this fight to the ground. So once again, I'm going to go with Faras ZM to win this fight via decision. Steven Peterson versus Chase Hooper. We pretty much have a pick him here. Minus 120 at certain spots for Steven Peterson. He is the ever so slight favorite on some websites. Um, interesting fight here, right? Chase Hooper, we're still trying to figure out what we're getting with this kid and whether or not he's still green. In my opinion, I still think he's a little bit too green to be competing at this level. But his jiu-jitsu game is very, very, very sealed, which is why he's having a lot of success in most of his fights. But the Pierre Bear fight was rough, man. He was getting really bullied in that first two rounds and he was really losing that fight. Pierre Bear was probably close to pulling out the victory there. However, he does get caught in the heel hook about two, with two minutes left in the fight and um, Chase Hooper gets his hand raised. That brought Chase Hooper's record to 2-1-1. Uh, his only loss, obviously, we know, to Alex Caceres. And now he has a very tough one against Steven Peterson, who, you know, not many fans know about him, but he does have a very tenured career in his pro MMA, uh, in his pro MMA journey. And he's fought a lot of tough fighters. And uh, Chase Hooper is definitely not going to be on the list of guys that uh, should give him as much trouble as his past opponents have. 
And I believe if Ojo Peterson is able to keep this fight on the feet, uh, he should be able to go to work in the striking realm. But I think that his striking approach is going to be a lot more disciplined rather than trying to take off the head of Chase Hooper here. I do believe that Hooper has some pretty good durability, as we saw in the Alex Caceres fight. And I do think that if, uh, there will be instances where we'll have Chase Hooper, you know, struggling to get the takedowns and, and you know, uh, trying to slow down the fight by clinching up with Ocho and, and pushing him up against the cage and then dropping for some double legs or single legs, whatever it is, to try to get that grappling game going for himself. But I think he's going to be unsuccessful in doing so. Steven Pearson obviously coming from Forest MMA, so we know that he's going to be well-trained over there by Safe Sayud. Whereas Chase Hooper, it seems like he's bouncing around from camp to camp. I think just watching his Instagram, I think the last time he's actually been outside of Washington State was down there in uh, Carol the North Carolina or South Carolina, uh, training with one boy Thompson and his gym over there. How long he was over there, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but over the last five weeks or so, at least according to his Instagram, he's been in his home state of Washington State and training under his main uh, coach, who's been pretty much guiding him throughout his career, Jeff Hoagland, former UFC fighter Jeff Hoagland, who I believe went 1-2 in his UFC career and then subsequently retired after his second loss. Um, but Chase Uber, again, until we see legitimate improvements from him inside the cage in regards to his striking, it's going to be really tough to back him against somebody, you know, as veteran savvy as a Steven uh, Peterson. I'm kind of surprised that the line is as close as it is, as I did believe that people would see the type of experience and type of fighter that Steven Peterson is. But when they see that he has more losses than he has wins inside the UFC, that probably throws them for a loop and like, oh, maybe Chase Hooper is up on the rise and the UFC is getting behind the marketing machine, uh, or sorry, the, the marketing machine of the UFC is getting behind Chase Hooper because they know they have something special with this kid. You know, considering that he looks like a nerdy kid, but his jiu-jitsu is able to like allow him to tie his opponents up in knots. But I think he's going to struggle to implement that type of game against uh, Steven Peterson here. I think he's truly going to struggle to get him down. And then when this fight is in the striking range, I think he's going to get touched up. Again, I do think that uh, Chase Hooper is quite durable. So I don't see this fight actually finishing inside the distance, which is ultimately why I'm going to take Steven Peterson to win this fight via decision. Uh, we do have Peterson sitting at plus 210 to win via decision. I think that's a pretty damn good spot to sprinkle out there. But even taking him straight at minus 120, all the way up to, I think, even minus 150 is not too bad of a spot. I think his striking is serviceable. His take, or sorry, his striking is much better than Chase Hooper's. His takedown defense is serviceable. His takedowns, period, are serviceable. Even his ground game is good enough, I think, to, to hang with whatever Chase Hooper is going to be throwing at him. So once again, I'm going to be going with Steven Peterson, who has yet to be submitted in his MMA career with eight uh, losses on his career, I believe, where he's... 19 and 8. Let me just confirm that number. He's, yeah, 18 and 9. So out of his 9 losses, he's never been submitted. And I don't think that Chase Hooper is going to be the first one to do so. So I'll go with Steven Peterson, and I'm going to take him to win this fight via decision. Matt Frivola taking on Terrence McKenney. We got short noise Terrence McKenney, who just fought on Friday of last week for LFA, headlined that card when he was able to dispatch of his opponent within a minute of his fight, which allowed him to step in here for Frank Camacho on super short notice and take on Matt Frivola. Now we got minus 250 on that steamroller and we got plus 200 on Terrence McKenney, but I'm expecting this fight to be pure violence from the beginning of it. The spot that I like the most, I wish most uh, bookies actually had this available to them, was the under 2.5 at minus 170. I think it is a little bit chalky, but I'm expecting absolute fireworks in this fight from both guys. Now, Terrence McKinney has never been to a decision in his, uh, I believe, 14 fight career. Let me just confirm that number. Uh, he's only been to the third round one time, which is he actually where he ended up winning that fight. Yeah, this is going to be his 14th fight. So in his 13 fight career, never been to a decision. And then Matt Favola, we obviously know he's all action pretty much all the time. If he wants to pull it out of him, he can go out, go out there and take the the, the wrestle heavy approach. But Terrence McKinney has a college wrestling uh, uh, resume 
as well, which leads me to believe that this will be a fight that is mainly contested on the feet, and one guy is probably going to end up going to sleep here. Uh, Terrence McKinney is a pretty much a banshee out of the gate. The guy likes to go out there and kind of swarm you right off the bat. Uh, big explosive punches, looping shots, not as... I'd say clean as Favola, but again, saying that Favola is a clean striker is a little bit tough to say too. I think that uh, Favola slightly has a better striking, and I think he has a slightly more power too, which should cause Terrence McKenney some issues. I'd be surprised if either guy goes out there and tries to take a grapple-heavy approach. I do expect both guys to swing leather in this fight. I'm expecting all-out violence, to be honest, and I think that it's going to be a great fight for as long as it lasts. That's why I completely understand why they have the total, or the, the widely available total set at one and a half and not you know, two and a half. Uh, we got the under one and a half and around plus 110 on most spots. And I think it's worth a little bit of a sprinkle as I think that will get some violence, like I said, as soon as this first bell goes. Again, you got to believe, you got to wonder what's going through Terrence McKinney's mind. He just had a fight last week, had to cut weight to, uh, you know, make the weight class last week, had to cut weight again this week to try to make weight. Uh, and he did it successfully, don't get me wrong. But how much is that truly going to have him prepared and ready to go for a massive step up in competition going from who he's fighting on the uh, regional scene to going up and fighting uh, Matt Favola. Most people will know uh, Terrence McKinney for actually getting flying knee knockout or knocked out. Wow, that was a tough one to put together. Getting knocked out by a flying knee, that was probably the best way to do it, by Sean Woodson on the 2019 version of the Contender Series. Right after that, he followed it up with another loss to Derek Minner on the regional scene. I believe that punched Derek Minner's ticket to get into the UFC. But since then, he's been able to put together two solid victories, both finishes, and which leads him into his uh, short notice UFC uh start here but i do think it's going to be a tough task for him to overcome the steamroller in the situation so i'm going to be going with matt frivola i think he ends up getting the first round knockout here i expect this fight to be fireworks from the beginning it's you know i think it's you know volatile to play either way i think the spot that if you have access to it take the under two and a half or take the fight doesn't go to decision a little bit chalky but I'd, I'd be very surprised if we see this fight reaches the judges scorecards um under one and a half worth a little bit of a poke especially at plus money but i do like me some uh matt favola here and i'm actually going to take him to win this fight via first round knockout Panny Kianzad versus Alexis Davis. We got minus 200 on Panny Kianzad and plus 170-ish for Alexis Davis. Now, on paper, this almost seems like a similar fight for Alexis Davis compared to what she had last time around against Sabina Mazo, where she's going up against a lengthy striker. Uh, but I believe that Mazo likes to kick a little bit more than what Panny Kianzad brings to the table. A lot of people were kind of ragging on me for taking Alexis Davis last time around, but luckily she was able to come through and kind of save face for me, uh, as I do believe that Sabina Mazo shows deficiencies when it comes to somebody that wants to attack her from a grapple-heavy approach. Now, we saw Panny Kanzad struggle against Sirjara Eubanks in that first round where she got taken down, and we saw Sirjara actually, you know, pretty much win the entirety of that first round with a grappling alone. But in the second two rounds, we saw some good works from Panny Kanzad in terms of sticking and moving, working behind her jab, and really lighting up the face of Sirjara Eubanks with a striking while nullifying the takedown approach that Sajara Eubanks was trying to implement. And that's pretty much going to be the story here for uh, Panny going up against a much more weathered fighter in Alexis Davis, a fighter that's a little bit stronger than Sajara Eubanks. It could probably be a little bit more imposing. The issue is that just Alexis Davis is a little bit too slow. As long as Panny Kanzad kind of stays on her bicycle, works beyond her jab, and lights up Alexis Davis from, from range here, this fight is pretty much hers in the bag. But it's very tough to trust a woman with that type of approach uh, at that minus 200 range considering that alexis davis we know she's a zombie we know she can take a punch we know that it's going to be very tough to get her out of there so this fight is probably going to be contested over 15 minutes and you need panikianza to be 
pretty much fighting a perfect game for at least 10 minutes. Uh, I believe if Alexis Davis does get this fight to this ground, I don't think that there's much of a threat in terms of Patty Kianzad getting finished, uh, which leads me to believe that, you know, if she gets down in that first round, it could be a possible live betting opportunity for you guys to go out there and, uh, you know, um, take advantage of the better line that you're going to be getting on Patty going into that second round and again just as she showed in her last fight uh she showed that she can come back from being down round and go out there and actually have a solid second and third round again working on her bread and butter which is that striking which is the the advantage i think i give her heavily here going up against alexis davis now i'm going to be kicking myself if alexis davis actually ends up winning this fight with a grapple heavy approach but i'll have very little little uh invested into this fight as i believe it could go either way but ultimately i do end up leaning on the Penny kianzad side due to her having a you know better striking than sabina Mazur. i should say that in an overall sense you know once you bring like kick kicks and kickboxing into it i think that uh, sabina Mazur might be the slightly better striker than Penny. but the fact that Penny does rely more so on punches rather than kicks like Mazo, i think that should allow her to you know jab uh her way to stay on the outside and be effective with uh outpointing mrs uh, alexis davis from the outside so once again i'll go with uh Penny Kianzad playing a very safe and disciplined uh, fight here against Alexis Davis. And I'm going to take Kianzad to win this fight via decision. Movzar Evloev versus Hakim Dawadu. We got minus 220 on Evloev and we got plus 200 on the Canadian mean Hakim Dawadu. Let's start off on the Dawadu side of things, who's coming off of a pretty lengthy uh, winning streak at this point in time. He's got five, five straight victories in a row. Two of them most recently were via split decision, beating Julio Arce and Zubera Tuhugov most recently at UFC 253. But he showcases solid striking and solid takedown defense as well as solid clinch work, which makes this fight a a little bit tougher for Evloev as most more than people are expecting it to be, especially what Evloev sitting around minus two twenty and even minus two fifty at certain places. He came to Wadu has shown a decent ability to get back to his feet. His ability to stuff takedowns, being the stronger guy in the clinch, has always made it tough for opponents to kind of drag him into those waters that will make them a lot more successful compared to what Akeem Dewadu brings to the table, which is a very Muay Thai-centric um, uh, approach to a lot of his fights. Uh, the issue, though, is it doesn't seem like Mr. Dewadu has a ton of power in his hands, right? We haven't seen him finish anybody inside the UFC outside of Yoshinori Hori where he's able to head kick him at the ending of the fight <clears throat> excuse me roughly a minute left in that fight but outside of that you know it's been pretty much decisions not really even putting guys in much trouble and the other issue that i have with uh, duado is that it seems like he's a little bit low volume at times and that could be him taking a calculated approach but if an opponent goes out there and just puts up the volume against him while hakeem is just waiting for his opportunity to explode or his opportunity to throw a combination then he's going to start going back on the on the judges scorecards and that's where i think that evlov could get ahead here evlov is working on his striking aim obviously the best part of his game coming into the UFC was ability to, you know, do what Russians do get the takedowns, grind his opponents out, and sometimes find a submission. Uh, but he has been really rounding out that striking game of his, which should definitely help him, especially when he starts to ascend this uh, this featherweight ranking system that he's uh, pretty much, you know, uh, on the cusp of uh, cracking at this point in time. You know, Ivlov has a very solid record at this point. Uh, the Nick Lentz, the, the first round, the, the first round of the Nick's, Nick Lentz fight was a little bit concerning, but he did deserve to win at least the next two rounds. Kind of blasphemous that one judge actually ended up scoring that fight for Nick Lentz, but I don't 
don't think it was that close again first first round probably could have gone to nick lance but after that mozraev love was able to run away with it after that but you know wins over mike grundy enrique barzola sung Wu choi uh some solid uh you know some solid names there and some solid experience over those guys but now he's going to start taking level uh steps up in competition he came to wadu even though he's not a ranked opponent at this point in time these guys are both very hot prospects hot streaking prospects and they should definitely let us know who deserves to crack into the top 15 and i wouldn't be surprised to see one of their names with the ranking beside it come monday morning with that said I do favor Movzaryev Luev here. I, I think the fact that he has his wrestling, grappling, and his cardio to lean on here, not to mention I believe he has a bit of a volume advantage too. I, that leads me to believe that Hakeem's going to be on the defensive for the majority of this fight. The threat of the takedown should affect uh, Hakeem's ability to truly let his striking going, uh, to let his striking game go. Uh, and, and in response, I think whenever Hakeem Dewada lets his strikes go, we'll see a counter in terms of Evluev changing uh, levels and going for a takedown or you know doing something to wrap up Dewadu and nullify the uh, the combinations and the striking approach that's coming back from Hakeem so I do like Evloev to mix in his takedowns I think it's going to be tougher than a minus 220 indicates but I do think that he'll be successful in doing so to at least notch uh two rounds here compared to the, you know getting all three uh but this should be a fun fight I'm not paying the juice on uh Evloev I think if uh, anybody was putting uh in terms of uh, uh, the side that has value, I think you got to go with the Duadu side. Uh, but I think if you're looking for value on the Evloev side, Evloev has shown he's been a pretty safe fighter over his last several fights. And uh, going to a decision here is probably his best way to win this fight. Evloev, by decision, is not even money. Minus 110. That makes sense to me. That's how you bring a minus 220 down to a minus 110. And I think that's how his best chance to win this fight. I think Hakeem is quite durable outside of his only loss in his MMA career, which was quickly getting rocked by Danny Henry and then submitted shortly thereafter. I think it'll be very difficult for somebody to replicate that against a guy who seems to have you know truly sharpen that part of his game up and i think that uh Evlov will struggle to be super successful in the striking realm here but i think ultimately it's going to be his grappling and his wrestling that bails him out and allows him to win this fight so once again i will go with mozar Evlov to win this fight via decision joanne calderwood versus lauren murphy we got minus 140 for uh joanne calderwood and plus 120 for lauren murphy here and uh this is an intriguing fight this was actually one of those fights where pre-tape i was leaning the underdog in lauren murphy but once you actually run the tape you kind of understand why that joanne calderwood is the favorite and continues to stretch as a bigger favorite as the fight day comes along now i think this fight actually plays out similarly to the andrea lee fight for lauren murphy where you know she gets outstruck on the feet pretty easily you know andrea lee was a much uh faster fighter the quicker striker uh you know throwing more combinations getting in and out without taking too much damage but the detriment to andrea lee ended up being the last couple seconds or you know the last half minute of a round of the last couple rounds i believe it was rounds one and two i could be mistaken but laura murphy was able to go out there and land a takedown to uh kind of secure the round in the judges scorecards but i i just i just didn't understand i think a lot of people believed andrea lee got robbed that night myself included but i do have a little bit of a bias on that night because i did to have some money on Andrea Lee but she got you know good for Lauren Murphy you know noticing that um 
you know, she could land the takedown. And once she was able to, that was enough for the judges to end up giving her the rounds uh, where she ended up landing the takedowns. Uh, she did recently change training camps, I want to say, over the last couple of fights. She went down there to Texas to train with, uh, I want to say, Bob Perez. I, I can't recall the guy's name, but it's actually the striking coach of Derek Lewis. And uh, she's really been putting her strikes together pretty well. She's been pretty vicious with the two, right? Like finishing Mara Romero Barella the way that she did. And then uh, Lilia Shakarova the way that she did. And, and showcased a pretty good striking game against uh, Roxanne Modafferi where she was really able to distance herself from Roxanne by pretty much outstriking her with some power shots but unluckily for Lauren Murphy here she's going up against a faster uh, Joanne Calderwood who I still believe has a better Muay Thai in this fight I think her ability to kind of you know stick and move land the better combinations be the better striker or sorry faster striker will be the reason that Joanne Calderwood wins this fight the slight worry that I do have here though is I believe that Lauren Murphy could be the stronger fighter here and there were instances where just guy was having some success with pinning Joanne Calderwood up against the cage albeit Joanne Calderwood was the one getting the uh getting the uh the the damage off and as well as uh you know um you know Jessica I being unsuccessful with dragging the fight to the ground or at least getting successful control time and efficient control time up against the cage with Joanne Calderwood uh, I, I don't think that Lauren Murphy will be as successful I think she could be a little bit more of a threat than what Jessica I brings to the table just because I think that Laura Murphy is going to be slightly stronger but I'm hoping that Joanne Calderwood has been able to kind of nullify that game or work on that one part of her game which is trying to get off the cage especially when she's getting pushed up against it by our opponent. But when these guys are at range, or when these fighters are at range, I think that Joanne Calder would get the better of those exchanges. Again, she's the much faster and better striker. I think she has the better chance to go out there and land the better combinations and put more damage on Lauren Murphy, as we do all know that Lauren Murphy does not wear damage that well, so that should definitely uh, make a, make a, you know, have an effect on the judges and how they score these rounds especially when these fighters are walking back to their uh, respective corners and you see one a little bit more damaged up than the other so i do like joanne caldwood again i think she's a little bit better all around it's only the strength advantage that i expect lauren murphy to have here that kind of worries me but if it's just that one little bit i do have uh, some solid confidence in joanne caldwood to go out there and outstrike lauren murphy for the majority of 15 minutes and take home a victory via decision Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart and this is actually the third rematch that we have on the card here if you guys remember Eric Anders was going up against uh, Darren Stewart a couple months ago uh, Darren, uh, Darren Stewart was pretty much on the ropes almost about to get finished by Eric Anders Eric Anders was throwing everything in the kitchen sink at him but could not get him out of there uh, and then ultimately threw in a legal knee which ended up forcing the fight to go to a, a stoppage and it went to a no contest now here they are once again scoring off but not just scoring off but they're scoring off at a, a 205 pounds now compared to the 185 pound that they were at last time which i believe will ultimately favor eric anders as he's already the bigger guy here and that should definitely help him kind of bully darren Stroke, which seemed to be a little bit a part of the game plan the last time that, that they fought now in terms of the odds we got eric anders at minus 140 and you got uh, darren Stroke roughly around that plus 120 plus 130 range and uh, the interesting aspect of that is the last time that they fought, we had Eric Anders coming in as roughly of a plus 150 underdog. So the odds have completely flipped here. And a lot of people have a ton of confidence in Eric Anders in this spot. Now, not every single fight plays out the same way, right? This easily could have been Darren Stewart, on the other hand, throwing his big shots. He did land a good combination on Eric Anders earlier in this fight uh, before uh, Eric Anders ended up taking over. Uh, so I'm not of the belief that it's going to turn out the exact same way. I, I personally think that's 
that's a fight. This actually goes uh, the the full fifteen minutes, but it's showcased in that fight that Eric Anders is strong enough to go out there and clinch fuck Darren Stewart up against the cage, which could potentially be the same game plan that he comes up with here. He had a lot of success in terms of pushing him up there, dirty boxing, dirty Muay Thai, just getting some knees in, uh, staying busy enough up against the cage to just win minutes and, and win seconds. Uh, and then whenever he would break apart, he would unload, and that's where he was able to catch Darren Stewart with a combination. Again, it couldn't, it, it could happen again, but it could also not. It could just be a, a clinch fest up against the cage. Now that these guys have already feel, felt each other out, it, it could be a very volatile fight in terms of, you know, they, they don't have to have that feeling out process anymore. But I still do think that Eric Anders will come in with a pretty much a, a, a safe game plan, right? Him turning out a fight ready, that definitely should help him uh, kind of round out his game. And it seemed like it was definitely doing that for the first couple minutes of the last fight. But I don't think that tells the, the full story. So if you're putting money on Eric Anders here and thinking that, okay, just because he was beating him in the last fight is the exact same reason he should go out there and beat Darren Stewart this time around, I, I think you're you're taking it from a false narrative type of standpoint. I do. It definitely did change my mind in terms of some of the things that we saw, but it's what we saw in the fight that... that um, is bringing me to this conclusion not just the ending sequence where he almost had him out of there it's the being stronger being the stronger guy in the clinch and like i said eric Hunter is a big big dude he's definitely going to be able to have the advantage in the strength especially with this fight now at 100 or sorry at 205 pounds darren Stewart is just not used to fighting at 205 pounds so uh, i think that it's going to be a little bit of a shock to him eric Anders, obviously we know he had a bit of a stint at 205 pounds for a couple fights but he is most successful at 185 pounds i'm still going to treat this as a 185 pound fight uh but uh, you know having that 20 pound advantage now uh with eric Anders and not having to cut as much weight it helps him out i think it just gives him a little bit more of an advantage so uh, i'll go with eric anders here again i think uh clinch work being the stronger guy kind of controlling uh the fight in that aspect and staying away from the big shots darren stewart should, should allow eric anders to go out there and pull off a decision victory which is ultimately what i'm going to be going with so uh yeah i like me some eric anders here won't be betting him but uh, i believe the best path to victory for him here is going to be to win this fight via decision Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell. We got minus 140 on Drew Dober and plus 130 on Mr. Uh, Brad Riddell. Now, Brad Riddell was one of the last guys to step out onto the scales for the weigh-ins this morning, and he did not look that good on the scales, even though he ended up making weight. I'm surprised that there isn't more money raining in on Drew Dober at this moment in time, as that usually is a sign for people to go out there and fade anybody that's been looking bad at the weigh-ins. Now, I'm not that big of a proponent and that big of a believer of that actually, you know, having a good correlation or anything like that. That, but uh you know it's definitely something to to think about going into this matchup my pick has has been unhindered though i do still go with drew dober in the spot i do think he's a good spot to go out here and and have the better exchanges or at least uh get the better of these exchanges especially when they're exchanging in the pocket in the striking room uh, i expect this to mainly be a stand-up fight if anybody does engage in the clinch or the wrestling i do think it'll be drew dober and i do think that he could have some success in terms of uh nullifying the muay thai and kickboxing game of brad riddell both guys you know this is this is going to be like a Muay Thai versus American kickboxing style type of matchup and I'm all for it there's a reason that it's the prelim headliner as I think that it's a great way to kind of lure people into watching the pay-per-view because this will be a great fight to lead them into that um I think Dober definitely has the more experience Brad Riddell is still you know footing finding his footing inside the UFC even though he uh, he's pretty much undefeated in the UFC at this point in time but that Jamie Malarkey fight was a little bit too close considering what kind of skill sets both of those guys are standing at Drew Dober I think would have you know starched Jamie Malarkey 
Rocky. Now, I think that Drew Dober will have a more competitive fight here with Brad Rudell, but I do think that, again, uh, you know, training at team elevation, uh, having that cardio in his back pocket, which I think will be an advantage for him in this fight, and then, again, the landing more impactful and, and more bruising shots, I think, is going to give him the advantage here over Brad Riddell. Uh, Riddell is a great talent himself, don't get me wrong, great kickboxer, great, oh, sorry, great, great Muay Thai art, artist, uh, city kickboxing product, obviously training with Israel Adesanya, seems like they fight on the same card every single time, uh, but it seems like everybody from the city kickboxing crew is starting to kind of fall off, and it seems like the, the fire that's behind that name isn't as loud or, or wild as it used to be as it was earlier in the year or late last year. But again, Riddell's been doing his thing. He's been getting his wins and, you know, it would have been a great fight to see how we did against a guy like Gregor Gillespie, uh, who they were scheduled to fight a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago at this point in time, I believe. But this is a completely different matchup. I think it's a more favorable matchup for Brad Riddell. However, I still think he ends up coming out on the short end here with uh, Drew Dober landing the better of the exchanges, like I said. I think he'll land the more impactful shots. I think he hits with a little bit more zest. I think uh, Riddell might have a slight advantage in terms of the volume here, but I don't think that's going to matter much when you have Drew Dober kind of mixing in the full MMA game. You know I mean, like I said, if anybody was going to engage in the wrestling realm, I think it's going to be Dober. So I think that Dober with you know his ability to kind of change levels, fake the takedowns, have Brad Riddell kind of think about more than just the striking, I think that will allow Dober to to get his striking going a little bit more uh and then if the takedowns are there definitely go for it or at least go for those clinch positions where he's able to control brad rudell so i do think that we'll see uh the better fight here from uh, drew dober i'm giving him a, a mulligan in his last fight against islam mahachev i believe he's still on a great streak it, you know anybody's gonna falter to mahachev at this point in time so uh you know you can't read too much into him losing his last fight but i do think that dober still has that fire to go out there and showcase what he's been doing throughout uh, the winning streak that led him up to that Mahachev fight so once again I'll go with Dober and I do think that Riddell is quite durable so I'm going to take this fight to go via decision and this also seems like one of those spots where the under two and a half is at plus 150 seems like a little bit of a trap spot considering that both guys are strikers and we might get a little bit of a violent fight both guys going back and forth and a potential of some knockdowns here and there but I think ultimately we'll see this fight go the full 50 minutes and I'm going to be, be taking Mr. Drew Dober to go out there and win this fight via decision Jamal Hill versus Paul Craig. We got minus 290 on Jamal Hill and plus 245 on the Bear Jew, Mr. Paul Craig. Let's start off on the Paul Craig side of things. Uh, or sorry, let's start off on the Jamal Hill side of things. A very uh, undefeated fighter. Um, you know, has a lot of skill and talent that he's showcasing. And he was one of those fighters that when he made his appearance on the, uh, or at least debut in the UFC, I used to doubt him a little bit, right? I, I do believe that I have bet up against him in the past and I've eaten my words. But over his last couple of fights, especially after the Clits and Brayu fight, I really started to get onto the Jamal Hill train, uh, especially when he was able to go out there and dispatch a Volva and St. Peru uh, back in December of uh, this past December. Now they were scheduled to fight, uh, Paul Craig and him were scheduled to fight back in March. Jamal Hill did contract COVID. He did have a little bit of a tough time with it, but they have had enough time since that fight or their initially scheduled fights uh, for him to recover and go out there and, and perform to the best of his, his abilities this weekend. Uh, we know that J Jamal Hill, his game plan is going to be able to keep this fight on the feet and just absolutely crack J uh, Paul Craig with everything that he has. And Paul Craig wants to drag this fight to the ground and try to get his jiu-jitsu go game going and try to catch the somewhat green Jamal Hill uh, some in something in the jiu-jitsu realm. However, I think that we'll see 
Jamal Hill go out there and showcase some good takedown defense, not to mention some good submission defense too, which would allow him to keep this fight vertical. And after that, he will be able to land the bigger and much better shots on the feet. And I think ultimately he'll be able to put down Paul Craig in this fight. I completely understand why he's a minus 290 favorite. And I wouldn't be surprised if that number continues to balloon up as he does have such a uh, massive advantage when it comes to the striking realm that I think it's going to be very hard for Paul Craig to deal with. Not to mention that body kick is absolutely vicious from Jamal Hill. Just adds Clinton Abreu, who's probably still reeling from that. Now, he did get that fight changed to a no contest as he did pop for marijuana in that fight. But, you know, we, we all know that's not much of a performance enhancer. So it was a good work, a good job from Jamal Hill to get it done the way that he did in that Abreu fight. Then he showed even better work in that Ovin St. Prue fight, where he was able to keep the fight vertical for the majority of it and then get land the knockout. Beautiful, uh, beautiful. Uh, punches and, and combinations from him there in that uh, in that uh, Ovin St. Proof fight. Paul Craig just doesn't show the greatest things when it comes to, you know, his striking. It's more so winging bombs and winging hooks to try to get the fight down. And once it gets to the ground, he's able to really get his jiu-jitsu game going, which is definitely his biggest advantage in this fight. Last time around, we saw him go out there and TKO... Uh, uh, or actually it could have been a submission too to uh, Maurizio Shogunhua via strikes in round two back in November I believe that was UFC 255 yeah um, the Figueiredo and Perez card but that was a rematch as well right if you guys remember the first fight went to a draw and then they rematched and Paul Craig really showed that he made the better improvements in that fight or also it could mean that Shogunhua truly is no longer the, the the level of competitor that he used to be back in the day not to mention he was on a crazy winning streak very surprising winning streak that he was on too leading into that fight but again I think Paul Craig is outmatched here. Every fight starts on the feet, and I think it's going to be harder for him to get this fight to the ground. And Jamal Hill will be able to capitalize with the much better strikes. And I think that we'll see Jamal Hill land a devastating knockout blow, whether it's in the first or the second round here. But I really do like Jamal Hill. Uh, again, very diverse striking skill set, which I think is going to cause Paul Craig a lot of issues. And that's why Paul Craig, I think, will get knocked out in this fight, probably in the first or second round. Bilal Muhammad versus Damian Maya. We got minus 215 on Bilal Muhammad and plus 195 or 185, I believe, here for Damian Maya. Uh, very interesting matchup because this is actually the first time that we're going to be seeing Bilal Muhammad go up somebody, go up against somebody that will be pursuing the takedowns or at least the jiu-jitsu realm uh, more, way more than any of the last opponents that Bilal Muhammad has actually gone up against. Bilal, more often than not, you'll see him going up against strikers or guys that are willing to engage with him strictly in that realm. If you just look at it, his past several opponents have mainly been strikers. Leon Edwards, Diego Lima, Lyman Good, Takashi Sato, Curtis Millinder, Jeff Neal, Chancery Country, Tim Deans. The list goes on. There's nobody at the level of Damian Maya, especially when it comes to jiu-jitsu. And even though Damian's, you know, creeping up on 43 years old at this point in time let me just confirm his actual age here but uh he still has the chops to go out there and suffocate people he is very good at what he does in that aspect he's 43 years old he'll be 44 come november of this year but the one thing that's always going to stick with him is his ability to you know jump onto people's back or latch onto people and uh, really make it tough for them when it comes to you know dealing with his size and his imposing nature most people if you guys remember if you're fans long enough damian maya used to fight at 185 pounds and even as to get to a point where he was able to get a title shot against anderson silva who was the then middleweight champion obviously it turned out to be a very very bad fight at ufc 112 but he was still a very good opponent up there at 185 pounds since moving down to 170 pounds there were just stylistic matchups that were very bad for him 
Kobe Covington, uh, Kamaru Usman, Tyron Woodley, you know, those guys were able to go out there and nullify his ground game and just, you know, make him work in the striking realm, which is probably not where he is most comfortable. Bilal Muhammad is more of a jack of all trades, right? He's a guy that's not great at one thing, but he's really good at everything. And that's sometimes more than enough for him to go out there and get the actual wins that he needs to. Now, he hasn't really beaten anybody to the level of Damian Meyer or where Damian Meyer has really achieved, uh, you know, a, a ranking and, and gotten to a certain uh, level. And this might be the biggest win of uh, Bilal Muhammad's career, even though that uh, Damian Maia is sitting at 43 years old. The issue that I have with backing Bilal Muhammad here is that he needs to go out there and win a clean or a squeaky clean 15-minute fight. I don't really see him going out there and putting together a combination that's devastating enough to, to put away Damian Maia. I still think Damian Maia is quite durable, and obviously you're going to get knocked out by a big power puncher like Gilbert Burns, just as he did last time around. But what, what does he have to really worry about what Bilal? It's just getting beaten up in you know uh, over a 15 minute period it's just volume the, the the movement that he's gonna have to worry about and that's really it but if there was more of a knockout threat i'd be a little bit more, more worried for the damian maya side of things you know he's gonna be a be, be a big guy here i think he has a two to three inch height advantage over Bilal muhammad as well as a little bit of a reach too but once he really starts to latch onto his opponents and showcase his grip strength which i think is probably one of the better traits of his jiu-jitsu game it's gonna be hard for Bilal muhammad to detach from damian maya and get his own game going so even if if it's Damian Maia pulling guard or you know in a clinch position jumping on the back of Lyman Good like he did in that fight uh, think small things like that they don't initially they don't necessarily need to get a takedown as long as they're able to corral their opponent up against the cage they can engage in that grappling situations and those scenarios that Damian Maia will more than likely come out on top with my issue is if Damian Maia does you know uh it does uh go go out there and get into deep waters like if this goes into the third round or so i will be a little bit iffy i do think that Bilal muhammad has a much better cardio uh and i think that would definitely come in play here and will nullify any of the forward approach or clinching that damian Maya is going to be trying to get going in this fight I, I, the spot that i like the most is actually damian Maya to win this fight by uh via submission which is around plus 400 i think it's uh worth a little bit of a shot here considering that i think he just if he gets the the back of Bilal Muhammad or even just drags him to the ground somehow, I do think that he'll be able to catch something. Now, uh, I'm pretty certain that Bilal Muhammad has never actually been submitted in his career. But with that said, I, I'll always say it. Um, he he just has not fought anybody to the level of uh, Damian Maia when it comes to jiu-jitsu. His only losses are Alan Joban uh, via decision, Vicente Luque where he got starts in one minute, and then he got decisions by Jeff Neal as well. So again, nobody with a huge uh, jiu-jitsu threat to Bilal Muhammad. So this will be a rude awakening for Bilal in my opinion. Bilal should go out and win this fight, but I do think that the line is a little bit too wide. I think it should be a little bit closer, which is why I believe we're seeing the line start to close now. If I'm not mistaken, Bilal Muhammad was around minus 240, minus 250 earlier in the week. And now there seems to be some Damian Maya money coming in, bringing in that uh, Bilal Muhammad line down to about minus 210. I'd feel more comfortable with Bilal maybe around minus 140, minus 150. But it seems like he has a lot of hype around him with being such a great social media personality. You know, he, he got a big shot last time around against uh, Leon Edwards. Uh, he's on a little bit of a streak now too. So I do believe that has a, an effect on the betting line and how the public perceives certain fighters. The the perception of Damian Maia is that he's a, 40, a close to a 44-year-old fighter who got knocked the hell out last time. But the difference between Gilbert Burns and De, uh, Bilal Muhammad 
He's like, Gilbert Burns is a much heavier puncher and is a great jiu-jitsu game. You know, he even found himself in the jaws of defeat with Damian Maya on his back and having a lot of success in those situations. And if he's able to get Gilbert there, he might be able to get Bilal there as well. But I don't think that Bilal will be as successful in terms of defending the jiu-jitsu onslaught that's going to be coming his way from Damian Maya. So I'm going to go with Damian Maya. And I'm going to take him to win this fight via submission. And I'm ready for all the hate that's coming my way, especially with the fact that I was I, I took Trinaldo last year or last week was a 42 year old brazilian and i took jockery as well a couple weeks ago not as an official bet but as a prediction and we saw what happened there when he fought andre munez but fool me once shame on me fool me twice whatever right fool me three times fuck me right <laughs> uh, but I, I my heart cannot uh or my heart and my brain are, are telling me to go out there and pick Damian Maya in this spot and sprinkle that sub prop because I do think it could be lively here. So once again, I'll go with Damian Maya by second round submission. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. And this is the first. This is the first time we're going to have a fight that is actually scheduled for five rounds. That's not a main event and that's not a title fight. I think that had to do with the amount of pull that Mr. Nate Diaz actually has. And can you blame him? Uh, you know, or can you blame the UFC? Nate Diaz is a bit of a draw. And he does definitely, uh, more often than not, have the cardio advantage over his opponents. However, I think he's in for a very stiff test here against Leon Edwards, who, you know, last time around, we saw him go to a no contest with uh, Bilal Muhammad after pretty much raking his eyes. Um, but uh, unfortunate situation from Leon Edwards there, especially not to mention before that, he had been out of the cage since January 2019 so he's running on some tough times in terms of staying active especially with being so far ahead in his career and so pretty much being at the pinnacle in his career in terms of you know being so close to a title shot and and having the amount of uh, wins that he currently has especially uh, over the amount uh, the the talent that he's been able to secure those wins over is very very impressive now talents talent wise you know Nate Diaz probably not the biggest one if Leon Edwards gets his hand raised which I truly believe he'll be able to do this weekend but uh name value wise you got to believe that some people will start to take notice of leon edwards if edwards is able to beat nate diaz especially if it comes via uh you know um not highlight real stoppage but at least via a finish which i think is going to be very tough i'm seeing a lot of people quite confident on edwards finishing uh uh diaz here the only person to really like knock out uh nate diaz was josh thompson years and years ago with the beautifully placed head kick uh but outside of that the most of uh the losses for nate diaz uh just like his last one against jorge masvidal came via cut the guy has a ton of scar tissue on his face and i wouldn't be surprised if uh, leon edwards is able to cut him up really early on in this fight and it could cause trouble for Nate Diaz the later the fight goes but I think that Leon will take a kind of a, a safe approach here right he's got to believe that Nate Diaz has a little bit of a, a, an advantage in terms of the cardio here as Leon Edwards has shown in, pa in his past fights that have gone the full five rounds that he slightly slows down in those fifth and fourth rounds uh, not to mention just you know he still ends up winning the fights but it's not to the point that it actually causes him to you know uh, you know, bend over, huff it and puff it, and has have his opponent completely tee off on him and get uh, finish him that way. Uh, he is still very competent all around in mixed martial arts. A lot of people mainly will believe that he's a, a striker, but if you do watch his fights, uh, he likes to implement the grappling whenever he feels he has the advantage. Just as I believe he'll have the advantage over Nate Diaz here. Now Nate Diaz might have the better BJJ, but I think that in terms of MMA grappling, I think Leon Edwards will have him beat. I think Edwards is 
a stronger fighter, not to mention he has great takedowns, and Nate Diaz has poor takedown defense. Uh, and I think that Edwards will be able to secure a top position for at least, you know, in two of the five rounds, I expect him to go out there and try to get this fight to the ground to try to, you know, score points and, and eventually at least get the get that round on the judges' scorecards. But he has great striking of his own, and I think it's much better than what Nate Diaz brings to the table. And Nate Diaz, good boxing, but, you know, not no real power sting on them. He's more of an accumulative uh, finisher when it comes to the TKO, um, you know, just like his fight against Gray Maynard uh, from several years ago. But Nate Diaz, you know, he, he's riding the wave of that conor mcgregor fight uh and, and it's working out for him right he was able to at least pull off that victory over anthony pettis a couple fights later but since then you know since the second conor fight uh he's one and two he or sorry one and one he's only had two fights in that amount of time one coming over anthony pettis again pretty easy win nowadays uh and then the next one over jorge masvidal uh, where he ended up losing via dr cut stoppage but leon edwards you know i believe he's just on another level right now uh if he truly hasn't fallen off during that uh, uh during that uh, layoff that he had should be able to go in there and cruise in this fight there's a reason he's a minus 650-ish favorite uh, at most spots because he should you know skill for skill and and talent for talent he should be nate diaz everywhere in this fight if nate diaz is to win this fight i think it's just you know a cumulative striking uh um you know winning at least three four and five rounds three four and five just off of landing more damage and and landing more output and volume but i don't think that leon edwards is going to allow that to happen i think again if edwards goes out there and lands takedowns i think he controls nate diaz relatively easily um i don't think he you know nate diaz being a black belt in jiu-jitsu I don't think he's a huge huge threat off of his back but i do think that leon edwards is much more crisp in the striking realm which will cause uh nate diaz a ton of problems not to mention in the clinch leon edwards lands some beautiful elbows which i alluded to earlier in this breakdown that could cut up nate diaz and cause even more trouble for diaz uh, again, I'm not as confident on the inside the distance play as most people seem to be, but I do think that Leon Edwards has a really good shot of winning this fight via decision, which is ultimately what I'll take him to win this fight by. Uh, again, hopefully this sets up Leon Edwards for either a title shot, which is probably not the, the, the best thing, especially only coming off of a Nate Diaz win um, and a, a no contest to, to Blah Muhammad, but the fight before that. But the guy's just been out for so long. He's really got to get his career going. And I'm not really sure how many other top guys are there for Kamar Usman to fight. Uh, obviously, Colby Compton, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is fighting Gilbert Burns very soon, who could potentially throw himself into a title fight with a win over there. Um, but yeah, I think Leon Edwards is definitely up there in skill and could give Kamaru Usman some issues if they were to end up going up against each other. But here, this is a great fight for Leon Edwards to go out there and just... I think he wins this fight pretty handily. I just don't see where Nate Diaz truly threatens him. Uh, for me, this might even just be a, a cash grab type of fight for Nate Diaz. Stay busy, potentially put himself into a title shot if he does spring the upset. You know, at least he's taking advantage of these opportunities that are given to him. But I think it's going to be very tough for him to overcome the mountain that is Leon Edwards and that full MMA game that Leon Edwards brings to the table. So once again, I'll go with Leon Edwards and I'll take him to win this fight via decision. Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. This is a rematch of a fight that happened back in December where both guys took the fight on short notice. Now, if you guys remember, Davison Figueredo in November faced Alex Perez and finished him relatively quickly, taking no damage in that fight. And on the same card, we had Brandon Moreno go out there and beat uh, Brandon Royval, TKO via injury. If you guys remember, Royval popped out his shoulder and was unable to continue, and they stopped the fight. So both guys 
not much damage taken in those uh, in their two fights so they were quickly able to turn around and headline the next pay-per-view as I believe the next pay-per-view's headliner had actually fallen off luckily for them they were able to step in on that uh, on that fight that night uh, Davison Figueiredo was a minus 320 favorite this time around he's a minus 210 favorite and it's probably due to the resiliency that we were able to see from Brandon Moreno in that first fight fantastic fight right it was a fight of the year candidate probably got beaten out by Yin Jacek and Zhang from back in February but still a great fight nonetheless probably top three fight of the year and we saw a lot of momentum swings and shifts between both guys ultimately it came down to a draw but <clears throat> Excuse me. If you guys remember, uh, Davison Figueiredo was actually taken uh, or had a point deducted in the third round due to uh, an inadvertent uh, groin strike that the referee Jason Herzog deemed to have an impact on the rest of the fight, which is why they ended up taking a point from him. Uh, and we get uh, a majority draw. If that point wasn't taken away, we probably would have uh, Davison defend his title and probably fight somebody else tonight or this weekend. But great fight nonetheless, and I wouldn't mind another five rounds of it so that we could actually see who the legitimate winner is i still do believe that the minus 210 favorite and the champion here davison figueredo will get his hand raised once again because it is a very difficult task to deal with the style that he brings to the table now i used to be one of those guys that would you know uh kind of um talk down or or not really give the legitimacy to Figueredo uh, as I believed he still had a lot of holes in his game but over his last couple of fights he's really shored those up and I believe that he's truly becoming one of the better champions that the UFC has and I believe this fight will go out there and showcase that he still do, does have the chops to be one of the most dominant guys at 125 pounds um, again his style is very stalkerish right he stalks you marches you down and throws his big powerful shots and more often than not it's hard for people to to, to deal with it right like it's not often that you see Davison with the one on the back foot now Moreno had some success in there I believe in the fourth round he's able to land a couple takedowns and land some big shots of his own and then in the fifth round it seemed like his uh activity really started to wane and Davison Figueiredo was able to squeak out that fifth round just you know marching forward landing big shots and, and landing the better shots in that round too so not to mention uh again it, it went to a draw very close fight but if that point wasn't taken away we we're probably going to get Davison getting another other, uh, I believe it would have been his second title uh, defense but I do believe that he will defend it properly this time around against Moreno by getting a decision victory once again but I do think that it's going to be a, it, it could still be a very competitive fight we do have to remember both guys took that fight on short notice right again uh they they fought at the pay-per-view before they come in to save the next pay-per-view and uh for davison you know he doesn't get a full training camp to fight a guy that has an unorthodox style like brandon moreno and the same thing with moreno right he's going in there and fighting brandon royval who has a completely different game plan and 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 style than davison figueredo and uh not to mention having to train for five rounds so we're going to see a better version of both guys but i think the better version will actually end up being the champion and he should still be able to go out there and impose his will with his with his stalking type style of just marching down his opponents and lining the big shots and hoping to get them out of there uh, but i do think that moreno is very durable and i do think that he'll be able to see the last belt here so i do like figueredo i do think that he gets a done via decision with his style that he brings to the table but again moreno 
very very durable uh very skilled in his own right his jab was absolutely money and not to mention if you guys remember that fifth round uh joe rogan was talking about how uh uh Brandon moreno might potentially have a, a broken arm or something like that uh moreno said afterwards it, there was no injury there was no break or anything like that but he felt like his uh, shoulder was very sore due to the all the amount of uh, jabs that he was landing against davison throughout the 25 minute uh fight that they had just gone through but it, it did seem to bother him right like his his activity dramatically dropped between the fourth and the fifth round and davison was able to capitalize on it because if he didn't win that round more than likely moreno probably would have got his hand raised uh but davison shows the heart of a champion drops the fourth round but still ends up getting that fifth and final round and i do expect him to go out there and show slightly better cardio slightly better takedown defense and ability to get back to his feet really quickly which should nullify the approach for moreno because i don't think that moreno could win this fight strictly off of striking he could maybe beat him on volume which is you know led by that jab that was so successful for him not to mention the head kick that would follow it every now and then but i just think it's hard for him to you know be on his back foot for the majority of 25 minutes dealing with the power pressure and pace that the god of war is able to bring on him with davison figueredo so once again i'll go with figueredo to defend this title once again um you know i i understand why the line is dropping as much as it is but i still do think that davison gets his hand raised as i do think he's the better fighter uh and his power and his pressure is going to be too much for moreno to deal with i, I want to take figueredo inside the distance but i'm just so sold on the the durability of moreno it's very hard to put away moreno as we saw in that last fight but if it, there was anybody that was going to be able to put away moreno it's going to be davison figueredo especially now with the full three month training camp to prepare for this fight not to mention the the fight was six months ago right so they've been preparing for each other the entire time not just three months i'm sure they've been going at it a lot harder in that amount of time too so i'll go with davison and i'll go with him to win by uh, decision but i wouldn't be surprised if he actually finishes moreno now uh given that he has more time to prepare for a guy like moreno so once again i'll end it off with this i got davidson figueredo winning via decision time for the main event and our second title fight of the night we got another rematch here we got israel adesanya going up against marvin vittori the first time out israel adesanya was able to squeak squeak out a split decision victory over uh, uh marvin vittori again i thought uh, it was at least two rounds to one for adesanya as he was very successful in the striking realm as we expected him to be in the first two rounds and then marvin vittori was able to go out there in that third round and secure a takedown and accrue a solid amount of top position before um you know the judges scorecards he wasn't able to get adesanya out of there which probably would have been the best method for him to win especially considering as most people had him down uh two rounds going into that third round we got minus 260 right now for, uh and plus 220 uh minus 260 sorry for the champion for israel adesanya and plus 220 for marvin vittoria and the first time they were actually scheduled uh it was back in april of 2018 and we had the odds at uh minus 245 for Adesanya and plus 205 for Vittori so slightly heavier dog this time around for Vittori but I think that uh, the people that are uh, that are choosing Vittori this time around are a little bit more confident now that we have more data on Israel Adesanya compared to it only being his second or third fight coming into the UFC uh when he fought Marvin Vittori the first time so Adesanya obviously coming off his first ever MMA loss which was him going up to 100 or 205 pounds to try to secure his second title and try to be a champ champ as a couple other people have done in the past 
Unfortunately for him, Jan Blahovic was a little bit too much for him, at least three out of those five rounds, and uh, Adesanya ended up losing via decision that night. We saw as the fight was going on that Jan Blahovic was having a lot more success, imposing his power, physicality, and will on Adesanya, and Adesanya was just not able to deal with it. A lot of it came from takedowns and kind of just crowding him with punches and not really setting on the outside as uh, Adesanya was very successful with getting his striking going in the first two-ish or so rounds. Uh, but in the third, fourth, and fifth round, we really start to see Blahovich come on and uh, especially again landing those takedowns and accruing a ton of control time on top and almost making Adesanya look like a fish out of water which isn't the greatest thing uh, or at least the greatest look if you're looking to back Adesanya this time around against Marvin Vittori we know what Adesanya's game right he he thrives best when he's able to establish his leg kick game from the outside and then open up with punches whenever he tries to close the, the distance or even whenever his opponents try to come in and he counters them beautifully a big part of Adesanya's game is his feints that's something that Vittori was biting on a lot in his last fight and Blahovich as well was biting on a lot in the first uh, two rounds or so but I think once they started to feel the power of Adesanya and felt like they could take it that's where we saw Blahovich and Vittori really start to open up later in their fights where they were able to have more success unfortunately for Vittori he only had one round where he was able to have success and luckily for Blahovich, he still had the championship rounds to go to try to secure the victory which he ended up doing now I expect this to be a, a grappler versus striking matchup right it's it's pretty straightforward and simple like that with Vittori though it's funny because his last two fights are kind of contradicting of each other right the Jack Hermanson fight took a strictly striking approach some clinch work and stuff but really stayed away from the actual grappling and, and takedowns unlike when he fought Kevin Hall in the next time around where he crewed close to 20 minutes of control time uh, to secure decision victories in both of those fights now i'm expecting the kevin holland type of game plan here for marvin vittori against adesanya which is close the distance clinch up with him and try to drag him to the ground and just control him there but it's going to take a lot for him to get there i do believe that adesanya will be successful early in this fight just as he always is in all of his fights but once the, the once the cardio starts to wear on him and I'm, not, and I'm not saying the Adesanya slows down or anything like that but it seems like his takedown defense starts to diminish a little bit the longer fights go uh we saw it in the Vittori fight like I saw the said the first time that they fought and then in the uh the Blahovich fight last time around and I'm not one of those guys that's strictly jumping on the Vittori train right now just because of Adesanya losing to Blahovich last time around there are obviously good things that we can take from that fight most importantly the the lack of uh you know work off of Adesanya's back and his diminishing takedown defense as fights go on but again <coughs> excuse me Vittori was very successful with it uh in their fight too uh, not to mention I, if I'm not mistaken that was the first training camp that Vittori did solely at King's MMA and now he's truly cemented himself in that gym and has accrued a ton of experience under master Rafael Cordero and we have been seeing it in his improvement from a fight to fight basis en route to this title shot that he's about to get with Adesanya this weekend so ultimately I will be leaning with the underdog here I'm not throwing an actual bet on it maybe I'll throw a couple uh maybe I'll throw Vittori into the Gabby Garcia parlay or like one of my one of my long shot parlays but I do think that Vittori has a good chance of springing the upside here um you know uh, uh, Vittori has a great chin he's very durable uh his striking is improving not saying it's that Adesanya's level but it's at the point that I believe that he could take whatever Adesanya is throwing at him and then start to move forward and really start to clinch up with him and drag him to the ground uh Adesanya I think the way he's the most successful in this fight is if he starts to chop down at that calf kick just like he did against Paulo Costa and try to get his game going that way trying to debilitate the forward movement of Vittori especially when this fight starts to go later into the rounds and try to 
uh, damage him to the point that Vittori is not able to be successful in complete takedowns the later the fight go. However, I think that Vittori, again, super durable, should be able to walk through those shots, should be able to, or hopefully is prepared for the calf-kicking approach from um, from uh, Adesanya. And I think that he'll be able to come forward and, and land those takedowns and control minutes in this fight to win this fight. Again, I, I don't think we'll see him bite as much on the feints as he did in the first fight. And I think that's going to give him some confidence here, again, to close the distance against the champ, drag this fight to the ground, and just make it a dirty, gritty fight. So I'm going to be going with Vittori here. Uh, and I was kind of surprised that I came out on this side after running the tape, as I truly believe through pre-tape that I'd signed up on the Adesanya side of things. But... There are some concerns. Vittori did have success in their first rough fight. Both guys have made improvements, but I think that the more crucial improvements have been made by Vittori, which is when he's going to be able to go in there, drag this fight to the ground, and really control uh, Adesanya for the majority of this fight. Adesanya seemed like that guy that could never be taken down, and even when he was taken down in past fights, he sprung back to his feet like a cat, which is why a lot of people are like, okay, so don't let's not even try to take a grapple of your approach because it's going to be off or not. But we have seen success from it again, the Vittori fight and the Blahovich fight. And we're getting a much better Vittori this time around. I see him being able to impose his will on the on Adesanya here. And I think that he'll find his way to get a decision victory. So I'll go Vittori via decision. And I haven't even actually seen the prop for this. Vittori by decision is actually plus 400. And I don't mind that spot at all. As I think that there's a ton of value there. So I will be going Marvin Vittori to be a new middleweight champion of the world. Uh, and and I believe he's going to get it done via decision. And those are the breakdowns. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and enjoyed the breakdowns. Hopefully we can translate some of those picks and predictions into cash for you guys this weekend. And I apologize for the tardiness of the podcast this week. But luckily there was the uh, live episode of the Lockcast that I did, not to mention the Prop and You Up show. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that you guys were able to stick it through. And, and uh, I know a lot of people prefer the pre-recorded episode compared to the live one because it's a little bit more structured and it's kind of more bing, bang, boom compared to, you know, breakdown and then some silence with me answering questions and then getting back to the next breakdown so uh, shout out to everybody that supports both shows shout out to everybody that's uh, supporting the patreon as well patreon.com slash mmalot and link is in the description below five bucks a month a ton of great value on that patreon and not to mention cool bet coolbet.com promo code mmalotn2 and they will match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks so make sure you guys go check out cool bet all right good luck on the fights this weekend i'll see you guys once again next week earlier in the week with the pre-recorded episode and then obviously the live episode will be on tuesday night uh propping you up thursday night and then friday night the ultimate weigh-in show as always so good luck on your bets this weekend and i'll see you guys next week